What's the easiest choice you can make? Window instead of middle seat? Picking a vendor who sends a great gift basket? Outsourcing business tasks you hate? What about selling with Shopify? Whether you're selling a little or a lot, Shopify helps you do your thing, however you cha-ching. Shopify is the global commerce platform that helps you sell at every stage of your business. From the launch your online shop stage to the first real-life store stage, all the way to the did we just hit a million orders stage? Shopify is there to help you grow. Whether you're selling scented soap or offering outdoor outfits, Shopify helps you sell. Wherever and whatever you're selling, Shopify's got you covered. Sign up for a $1 per month trial period at shopify.com slash try. Go to shopify.com slash try now to grow your business, no matter what stage you're in. Shopify.com slash try. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Welcome to Webcology. Webcology is the show that takes you into the deepest and darkest ends of the ecosystem on the internet. Our guides will take you on a journey into web marketing and bring you the experts and the information so that you can further explore the web marketing world. Now, here are the hosts of Webcology, Jim Hedger and Dave Davies. Um, this is Jim Hedger from Digital Always Media. And Dave Davies from Beanstalk Internet Marketing isn't in the house today. Uh, he and Mary are taking some uh, some stress time, uh, taking a, a, a quick staycation uh, in Victoria and um, sort of, you know, clearing their heads and getting themselves together. Currently muted, but on the line, we have sitting in Christine Schackinger. Um, either studio or Christine has to unmute themselves. There we go. Oh. And uh and you're back. Um Christine, thank you so much for jumping in. It's uh week ten. It's been ten, ten like 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 two months and two weeks since uh everything locked down. Yeah. Well actually for me a bit a little bit longer. I started a week or so before it got super serious. So uh, except for the once a week I go out or to the doctors. Yeah, I've been in the house for almost three months. How are you coping? Uh, you know, it's. I tell people it's like the normal wrapped in the surreal because I worked from home before for 10 years now, 11 years. So it's not that different uh, to be home except that I don't go to like my pub and work a couple of days a week, which I really use for focusing. But um, But otherwise, it's just that when I leave the house, it's surreal. I don't go to friends. We don't go to dinner. I put on gloves and a mask and, you know, glasses. And I go to the store and socially distance and get out as quick as possible. Now, Dave and I have talked about this a lot over the last uh, last 10 weeks or nine weeks, um, just about how the ups and downs of our businesses and how the COVID has, um, you know, affected us personally and affected our businesses. Um did you see the same sort of pattern that that I saw, Dave saw, and and, and some others in the SEO in the SEO uh, field of scene where you know at the beginning your 
client list just decimated, like halved itself or whatever. And then slowly you're, you're, you're rebuilding again or like, how, how's your experience in, in business been? Uh, well, I was uh, paring down my client list for a little bit of a respite right before this happened. So that was the worst time to do that. Okay. <laughs> so, um, yeah, I got I had a couple where the day uh, it was a couple days after the lockdown or a couple days before. I can't remember anymore. But um, they were supposed to they asked me for the uh, how to pay in the like 8 a.m. and 11 a.m. canceled the project. Yeah. So, yeah, so projects, I'm getting contacted, but nobody's really committing. So it's it's uh, been a bit a bit slow, although I have a feeling next month we'll pick up. I have a couple that have contacted me about projects for next month. Well, it's a weird time. The uh, The world is opening up again. Um, I know a lot, a lot of the uh, U.S. states are, are either slowly or wholeheartedly opening. Um, Many Canadian provinces are slowly reopening, um, and by slowly, I mean there's a whole bunch of restrictions, but the people aren't paying any attention to them whatsoever. Um, <laughs> so uh, it's a weird time to sort of plan where you're going to be a couple of weeks or a couple of months from now. Um, optimistically, business should start to flow again. Um Maybe not so optimistically. Uh, we might have to close down again. It's hard to tell, eh? Yeah, it is. And and because we don't, I, I don't think a lot of people know that how virus transmission works, at least locally where I'm at. So they're like, yeah, the numbers are down, so we're good. And it's like, well, no, no, it's just that the virus isn't alive. So the only way it can get from person to person is if the people are close together. If the hosts you know, get close enough together to, to transfer the virus. So um, once we start getting close enough again, together again, inside spaces, leaving virus on surfaces, we'll have and, to see and, what happens. I'm not hopeful that it's not going to be quite an uptick. And and then we got to get to the, the, the scary realization that what we see today is actually a reflection of what happened four to 14 days ago. That's well, actually the incubation even more. period of the... Of the uh, Okay, the known the known incubation period has been uh, estimated to be four to fourteen days. You, you're saying it's even more now. It's, it's estimated well, to be no. even more now. No, I'm just saying that people don't usually start off with the worst symptoms. So, usually it takes about three weeks for someone to get infected and get sick enough to go seek medical care. Oh, oh indeed, indeed, weeks. indeed. But, but, so but usually really, it yeah. starts to show after about fourteen days on the uh, on the outside. Has yeah, been the, uh, the the sort of the accepted estimate around the world. Although there's there's outliers um, in both in all directions. So like, for some people, the onset might come faster. For others, it might take longer. Or don't average is just average. You know, it's just it's just a yeah. Um, it's just what the majority of people boiled down to presented like. So um. One thing we are learning, the one thing that we do know is that COVID presents itself and has a number of different effects beyond what we've already discovered. We're discovering new stuff about it all the time. True. And, uh, and again, it's, that's one thing that, that just bothers me, especially when you see the, the lineup of cars in front of my window right now on, on, on a major artery in the city I live in. Um, what we see today happens, affects what's going to happen in a week or two weeks. So this reopening, I think we, we, we often tell webmasters they want to position themselves where the business will be a few weeks from now or a few months or a few years from now. 
today it's really hard to hard to know what to suggest. It is, um, especially I was listening to a NPR um, story on the the nineteen eighteen. Mm-hmm. pandemic and the first time it appeared it was actually sporadic and quite mild they thought it was like a mild flu so it wasn't until the second wave in the winter where it killed so many people i think it killed 500 million total yeah um yeah. so the problem is because we don't have any treatments or vaccines and because it even though it it majority kills people with um co- uh, comorbidities uh, there's a lot of healthy people that get it too. And also the number one comorbidity where I live, at least according to our stats, is high blood pressure. And I think a lot of people who have high blood pressure wouldn't consider themselves immune compromised, right? So they would think that they're fine and yet they have one of the highest risk factors for uh, severity of illness. So oh. it's um, until we know what's going to happen, until we know if we have any treatments, I think the next three or four weeks will tell us a lot about where we're going, whether enough of the virus died off that it can't reinfect that quickly or if coming back together like this is just going to cause another massive outbreak because we don't have enough testing and tracing to locate the outbreaks before they spread no matter no matter what happens in the in the coming weeks um webmasters um search marketers affiliate marketers um we still have our 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 clients and our websites and our responsibilities and the world keeps on going. Oh, by the way, I don't know exactly um, how Rob Woods has his Google Assist voice set, but if I was Google, if I was Rob Woods Google Assist, I would say something like, dude, go fishing to him. <laughs> I think it said that to him today, something like that. In, in the creepiest way possible. It, yes, well, it Google did. has reached out to us and the message is, Rob, go fishing. <laughs> oh, and ha. Something, yeah. something to that effect. For those, okay, yeah, so, for those who don't, don't know, the, the the assist said he'd been working too hard. <laughs> wouldn't that be weird? Like, okay, so, okay, so Rob Woods, well, well-known SEO Rob Woods, uh, reported in a, in a, a conversation that a, a number of SEOs have have going in Facebook, got his Google Assist reached out to him today and just told him to to lay off the work, take some time off. He's been working too hard. Because yeah. dude's been pulling 12-hour days, like, for the last couple of weeks. Um Again, I think he found himself in the uh, position where his clients suddenly realized, oh, my goodness, like searches where most of our traffic's always been coming from. <laughs> I wonder if that trend's going to continue, eh? Like, like we've seen PPC uh, uh, decline significantly. PPC spend decline significantly. And uh, a lot more interest in search. Do you think when things start to open up that that, that interest in organic search is, is, is going to remain strong? As long as they have good SEOs. <laughs> okay. uh, meaning, meaning that if you have a good SEO, the SEO is an investment. You know, when you stop doing SEO, it can still work for you for quite some time without a lot of help. Um, as we've seen when a client, you know, a client went the other way and you're like, you'll be back in a year. <laughs> so, um, but yeah, I think that they'll see more, uh, PPC has like more, a higher conversion rate, but um, organic is uh, is less cost and you can turn it off from time to time. Not that you should, but you can have someone just monitor. Um, if you don't have the money to invest, say we have another close down or, you know, another outbreak of the virus. So I think then it, because when you turn off paid, it goes away immediately. That traffic's just gone. Well, no matter what, when you look at when you look at your analytics 
in uh, uh, in, in Google Analytics or, or in Search Console, you're going to see repeatedly over and over and over again that the majority of your uh, traffic it tends to come from organic search. Yes. Um, I've in fact my entire career, I think I've and, and and this is recently. I've only had one client where where that trend was not the rule. They get most of their the most of their traffic from 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 referral. Um, oh. I, it was weird, and I, I I wish I could go into it. I can't. It's a, one of those NDA sort of situations, but it but but it's true. Um, but every other every other in a twenty year career, it's always been from organic search. Yet all the action isn't paid. <laughs> yeah, that's true. That's true. A lot of times people don't understand that investing in organic search is really an investment. You know, yeah. it is it is a uh, the long term investment in your brand and your traffic and your stickiness. Mm-hmm. Where paid is like an instant fix. It's like, hey, you turn it on, you turn it off. But as soon as you turn it off, that traffic's gone. Whereas good SEO is there to stay for a while. I think a lot of reason that that uh, misunderstanding is there is because people don't really understand um, SEO itself. And because SEO is one of those things that just, you know, as, as Google changes and improves technology or decides to do things in different ways, SEO changes. And uh what might have been an important uh, technique factor or um, signal five years ago may not be important today. And uh, some, sometimes the biggest changes happen during what are called core updates. Um, but it's hard to know what the core update was, did, or what intended to do um, until quite a bit. A core update is quite a bit like a recession. You don't know what's happened until unless told it's happened or several quarters later until you can actually measure its effect um i would say i would say in the ones i've worked on that that's they're pretty severe they're 50 to 90 percent traffic loss overnight well i get it's, it, google google often talks about how um a update will only affect one to two percent of websites in their index eh an index that might be like 30 trillion documents large. So one or 2% is a heck of a lot of documents. And as everything in Google's index is somehow connected to everything else, the butterfly effect can be quite immense. It is. And also with the core updates, there's a lot of um, misinformation out there that Google itself has said is misinformation. And primarily what they're looking at is just core ranking factors or core factors that they use to evaluate the page value or the site value. Um, most of the ones I've seen happen at the query level, not the page level, uh, but they affect a lot of pages. And I've, when I look at the sites, the odd thing is they have glaring issues. One had 800 redirect loops on the pages that dropped, the 800 pages that dropped. One had two minute average load times. One had um, no visible site structure to be found. These had been on the sites for years, and some of their best traffic occurred while these issues were on the sites. Okay, so here's the we, question. I know when I, we fixed I, I, them, I, I, mm-hmm. just real quick, but when we fixed those issues, the sites came back 100% or more. Okay, so the, the, the sites were doing quite well uh, with those issues before the core update. Yeah. Um, presumably, Google doesn't care about that site enough to make a core update to deal with dealing with that site's bad issues. So what was it about the core update that suddenly um, damaged or hurt the positions that the, that the website was experiencing? It was doing well before. Update happens. Now it's not doing well. Why? 
That's a hard thing to know. I have some theories on it, but nothing to back it, so I won't say it here. But uh, like the 800, the one site that lost, uh, like I think it was 80% of its traffic. When I did a query uh, look up on their site, I saw that it dropped on all these same pages. Went and looked at those pages. They all had redirect loops. Well, Google doesn't like redirect loops. But for some reason, for a very long time, it didn't care about the redirect loops on that site. Suddenly it did. And it also cared about this old page module that wasn't supported anymore and was causing the site to load at 30 seconds or more a page. Fixed those two issues. A month and a half later, update went through and they got 100% of the traffic back. So I, I don't know why they're so severe. I don't think it's a penalty like Penguin or Panda. But I think that Google just literally pushes them out. Like, I, my, they here's, here's my weird theory, okay? Here's my, my yeah. off the wall, but I think it sort of works this way theory. Google's a machine, and it's an incredibly, like, like it's such a complicated machine that it's actual mechanics. See, the, the search engineers who, who program the algorithms, they've got a very, very, very good idea what their algos or what their changes are going to do, but they don't have a hundred percent idea. It, it's, it's that complicated, you know? Um, and if you have glaring issues on your site, like, like you're, you're reporting that some of these pages have like um, 800 different redirect requests um, from, Oops. from like, this, 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 yeah, this is a loop. So when the, when the user makes a request or when Google makes a request to render this page, it's getting sent into weirdness hell and back again, right? Um, yeah. And Google doesn't want to do that. And the, 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 while the user might barely notice it, its server and its computer doesn't want to do that. Bad experience all around. Um, That's where it gets into my theory, though. I, know, I guess I will just say it here. But so if you think of it like – like, like, Sorry? Go sorry. ahead. Sorry. Well, I was going to say, if you think of Google as a machine, the update simply triggers um, – all those mechanisms that catch the problems that Google had noted before, but hadn't, you know, really bothered to weigh everything against. But now there's a core update, so Google's going to recheck all those things it had sort of ticked on before. So, so along those lines, there is a change. I believe it's a change. I don't believe I ever saw it before. In the quality raters guide. So the quality raters guide, people are mistaking as an SEO guide. It's never been an SEO guide. EAT isn't a ranking factor. Um, they just represent ranking factors to quality raters because they don't want them to need to know the algorithms when they rate the sites. They're just rating the sites based on what Google thinks is a quality site. And this, it's in, the, the, what you're, what the raters guide is what Google is telling its raters to look out for and to score thinking this way. Yes, but it doesn't mean it represents SEO. What's in there? Some of it does and some of it doesn't. Mm -hmm. But a recent change, and I wish I had pulled it up, but I forgot about it until we started talking, uh, is that it says the quality raters guide is basically where the algorithms want to go. Mm -hmm. So if you combine that, and not that they're, okay, so let's say accuracy. They say something about accuracy of content or consensus in the raters guide. They don't mean that Google's looking at accuracy of content. They want the core ranking factors to produce sites that are more accurate or have a better consensus view. So if you look at what they've said about the ranking factors, which is about the, the core updates, that it's query relevance and site quality. And then you look at the goal of the quality raters guide is to for Google to surface sites like that. 
what they've been doing in the core updates is tweaking multiple core ranking factors to try to produce a better list of sites that would better meet the quality rater guides metrics. But they're not looking at those things in the quality raters guide on the site specifically. Yeah, and, and, and it's also, I think it's important just for the audience to understand who the quality raters are rating. Like, they're, they're not rating websites. They're rating their impression of Google's idea about the website. And their, and their search results. So are the yeah. sites meeting these qualities? Yeah, and they're not. And so there's this big misnomer, like, you need author credentials and you need accuracy of content and you need... Um, uh, certain levels of, uh, like someone said that you can't have an agenda, it all has to be neutral, you're writing. None of that is is a ranking factor. Google's not looking at any of that, but what Google is doing is experimenting with the core ranking factors, i.e. core update, uh, tweaking them back and forth to try to surface sites that best meet those criterias. And these criterias are things that Google have said are things that would indicate a site would give a better user experience or um, more accurate information. Yeah, but, and better quality. But they're indicators. Like, that's, that's all they can be seen as. Yeah, exactly. So you can look at it and say, if I do all these things that's in this quality raters guide, I'm going to have a quality site according to Google, but that doesn't mean it's going to affect your ranking factors. So if you lose on a core update, you don't go to the quality raters guide and then start doing eat and things like that. Those are just representative of many other algorithms. What you need to do is you need to have a thorough evaluation of your site, preferably by someone who does site auditing like you, me, Alan Blywise, Jenny Hallis, um, and, and find out where your issues are. Because when I've done these sites, the issues have been mammoth. It's just Google wasn't penalizing them before. I love, find, I love finding them. those. The, uh, the redirect loops are incredible. Like, yeah, and, right. And, and you're never. Here, here, here's one thing for webmasters. We're going to take a break in a second because I, I don't want to go down there. I can so easily go down these, these kind of like technical holes. Um, but redirect loops happen all the time now, uh, partially because of um, automate more and more and more automation in websites, and partially because of just a, the, still the changeover from HTTP to HTTPS. Um, chaos utter chaos um but it's the automate automated websites uh content management systems and some flaky flaky back-end development that cause these incredible redirect loops that i'm finding these days that must be driving google crazy yeah they hate redirect loops they tend i've heard from a google engineer before that if they hit one they tend to leave the, the site or the page at least and one yeah. little thing and this is just my own little theory i have nothing to back this right now just something I, i'm keeping in mind that Google spends a lot, a lot of money on resources to index all these sites. And so the sudden focus, because all these sites had massive technical issues. They had some other issues, but massive technical issues that Google wants to cut down on the money it spends chasing after redirect loops and slow page speeds and downloads. And oh, yeah, certainly, yeah. And so That's... part of the reason these are so severe is because they, they aren't wasting their resources on you anymore. That's one of those things on this show that's always been sort of implied, but never said it. Well, it's been said out loud, sort of, but it's not a factor, but it's certainly something you really got to consider. And this is why Google thinks this way. Um, because money, basically, that's what yeah, it comes oh down yeah. to. And they scale. Have, they have one center, one data center where they had to build a dam to cool the data center. Yeah, like imagine how much money it costs to build a dam to cool the data center. That's the scale Google deals yes. with. Oh, by yeah. the way, Rob Rob Woods, go fishing. Just a reminder, dude. 
get out, <laughs> get up, and go fishing. We got to take a break, just like Rob Wood says. We got to take a break here on Webcology. It's um, most almost we, we, we've gone way past time to, for a break. So, on behalf of Christine Schackinger from Sites Without Wall, uh, Sites Without Walls. Let me be sure I got that one right. Yeah, that's right. Yeah, okay, I got my so name. I know. Well, it's been you name three, right. four years now. I've been getting your name right. Well, maybe one or two, but. Yeah, I've been okay, Christian Chackinger from Sight Without Walls. This is Jim Hedrick from Digital Always Media. You're listening to Webcology on WebmasterRadio.fm. Stick around. We got more coming up after these messages. Sit tight and don't move. Webcology will be back after this short break. For maximum customer engagement and retention, choose CleverTap. CleverTap is a leading customer engagement and retention platform that helps digital brands maximize lifetime value. Over 8,000 apps around the world, including Vodafone, Star, and Sony, trust CleverTap to improve user engagement, boost retention, and fuel long-term revenue growth. Learn more at CleverTap.com. That's CleverTap.com. Are you looking for the best in WordPress speed, security, and scalability? WP Engine is a digital experience platform for WordPress, powering digital experiences for large brands around the world. With easy-to-use site management tools and powerful do-it-your-way development features, WP Engine gives you the flexibility to build it your way. Improve your SEO and conversion rates with a faster site on WP Engine. Learn more on WPEngine.com. There are everyday actions to help prevent the spread of respiratory diseases. Wash your hands. Avoid close contact with people who are sick. Avoid touching your eyes, nose, and mouth. Stay home when you are sick. Cover your cough or sneeze. Clean and disinfect frequently touched objects with household cleaning spray. For more information, visit cdc.gov COVID-19. This message brought to you by the National Association of Broadcasters and this station. Your virtual webmaster frat house. Webmasterradio.fm. Hey, bring your togas. Webmasterradio.fm. Thanks for listening. Webmasterradio.fm. We're everywhere. Commercials off. Now back to Webcology, only on WebmasterRadio.fm. Here are the hosts, Jim Hedger and Dave Davies. Everyone, welcome back to Webcology on WebmasterRadio.fm. It's the 21st of May, 2020, week 10 of uh, the COVID. Well, it's no longer the COVID lockdowns because we're slowly starting to re- reopen up in most of North America. Anyway, this is Jim Hedger from Digital Ways Media. I'm joined by Christine Schackinger from uh, Sites Without Walls. Uh, Dave Dave Davies is taking a week off to, you know, just sort of do a uh, uh, a mental COVID cleansing. Um, so, uh, Christine, again, thank you so much for uh, for stepping in. Thank you for having me. I always enjoy myself. It's uh, people are getting a bit buggy. It's been a log Ted weeks, and. Um, <laughs> You know, it feels it does it does feel really good to uh it feels like a little bit of weight is being lifted off the shoulders with uh with the with the relaxation of restrictions on uh shops that are open or um where mm-hmm. I live we can go golfing again. Um Yeah. Not so just, much for me, but <laughs> Well, 
just want to, again, want to take a second to caution people that uh, we're mid, we're not even mid-crisis yet. We're actually still at the probably the end of the beginning phase of a much longer crisis. But um, we've done, to one degree or another, remarkably well, um, considering how it could have been. You look at cities like New York um, or uh, Milan, um, yeah. Singapore, uh, uh, London, or, 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 or you know, or Stockholm. You know, places were just just carnage, and uh, some other places that that had, I guess, the benefit of timing got off a little bit easier because people did. Uh, uh, they, they 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 knew enough to not, you know, to, 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 to social distance, to try to stop the spread. And as society opens up, friends, remember, this is still a virulent disease that uh, it's, it's real. It's, it hasn't just gone away magically. So yeah, stay careful. It, yeah, it's really easy to think that because you don't see the hospitals being overrun anymore or you, you know, don't know people getting sick at this time, that it's, it's gone away. But it just has kind of like gone into hiding. It's like a tsunami sitting there under the water and if it and it could spring back up pretty quickly because it has such a, a virulent ability to infect so okay so before going to break we were talking about uh core updates the effects of core updates and such and um there's been how many core updates has there been just in in in, in just off the top of your head in the last five years christine what do you reckon Ooh, they started it supposedly in 2018, though I identified one in 2017. So I'm going to guess about officially uh, that Google's confirmed. I think there are six or seven. I think there's a. I think there's quite a bit more. Um, officially that they died. Officially that they've confirmed. Yeah, yeah you know what? We could argue about this all day long, or we could let. Barry Schwartz, settle it for us. <laughs> Barry I knew what built, you were getting to. Yeah, here we go. Barry built the Google Updates app. Uh, Rusty Brick uh, built the Google Updates app. It's available at, um, well, was there a googleupdate.com? And uh, if you want to know if it was a core update that that may have affected your website or if you're, you know, you're doing your forensics, um, doing an audit, you see some weirdness and you want to correlate it with um, a known ranking update, plug the dates in. If there were articles that appeared in uh, Search Engine Roundtable or at Search Engine Land, um, then this tool will surface them. And if there was a core update, chances are Barry covered it in Search Engine Roundtable. <laughs> I think it's a true. real safe bet. So yeah, uh, what do you think? Is that a, is it be a useful tool for you? I don't know. I tend to use Penguin because you can insert your your site and it shows you all the updates, which what type they were for however long they've been running updates on that site. Um, so unfortunately, on berries, you have to search by day. Okay, so you would you you, you already have something that a Penguin that 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 gives you the the um, dates, the date ranges. I think berries can be very useful. The only problem is you can only search by the day. Well, yeah, so I, mean, I have I, to know what the date is that that, that it happened. Well, I see myself what? looking at like analytics and uh, just seeing a dip and going, okay, so at this day, was there anything in that date range? 
But, but there's not a range. You can only do it by date. Well, yeah, certainly. You enter the date in, and if there was anything within the week or so. No, um, it's just by the day. No, no, no. I saw, I, I, no, I'm okay. I, I did I'm on the site right, earlier. I'm on the site right now. It's just on the day. Maybe yours is different. It's just uh, maybe my search range was different. Uh, maybe it'll give, you some, if, it'll give you some around that date, but you don't yes. have a range. So, Barry, I love you. If you were listening, <laughs> you need to put a range in so you could have a first and end date. Otherwise it's, it's hard to use. Um, so the, anyway, that's up. So the uh, address one more time um, <laughs> is, was there a Google update.com? Use it. Um, answer questions. Um, but again, what, what was, what was the tool you used to answer that for you? Uh, Penguin It's P P-A-N-G-U-I-N, I believe. Let me double check. Okay, well, Christine is double checking. I just want to remind Rob Woods, dude, go fishing. <laughs> We're, I can do this all day long, and I'm going to do it all hour long. So, like, it, you may as well just go fishing. It's the uh, Penguin Tool by Barracuda Network. So it's the P-A-N-G-U-I-N Tool by Barracuda Networks. I have to find the start page for it. Right on. And there you go. Okay, we have uh, probably 10 minutes before we got to take another break because we burned a whole bunch of time in the first segment. I want to talk about pizza arbitrage. I think that was a great uh, a, 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 a great and telling story, especially because um, Danny Sullivan um, at Search Liaison, the uh, spokesperson, like the search spokesperson for Google, jumped in and uh, had a kind of rough experience. Um, yes, okay. he did. <laughs> hey, first off, uh, Christine, you remember the, the search arbitrage uh, or the, the pizza arbitrage story? Um, it appeared in a uh, blog called um, Margins by uh, Ranjan Roy and um, Ken Durek, uh, an economics, economics blog from New York City. A fellow named... Uh, Ranjan uh, Roy, who often writes about um, uh, 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 the world of arbitrage, has a buddy who owned a pizza shop. And uh, as, as it turns out, the, 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 the pizza shop um, was had its Google local listing hijacked by DoorDash. And DoorDash sort of played a monkey in the middle sort of game through Google, where it was scraping the, the, the pizza company's menu and actually selling the pizza company's pizzas at a discount so that it could build its delivery audience. So the, it's, it's building its own customer, not the pizza company's customer base, DoorDash's customer base. Yeah, and the problem was the pizza company was getting a lot of complaints because the pizzas were getting there cold or late. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So, so the, yeah, the pizza company is made aware of this because DoorDash, um, well, you know, it, it, its model is making as many deliveries as possible um, and not necessarily with quality, but with volume. Um, not quality, quantity. And uh, so the pizza company becomes aware of this. 
and also becomes aware that DoorDash has um, artificially lowered the price of the pizza, even though DoorDash is paying the pizza company full price for pizza. So what happened is DoorDash, while scraping the DoorDash delivery service, while scraping the pizza company's website, posted the price for a cheap cheese pizza, $16 cheese pizza, as the price for a one of the deluxe all-toppings pizzas, a uh, more complicated pizza that, that actually sells for $24. So DoorDash was selling it to their customers for $16 and paying the pizza company the, uh, the actual price of $24. DoorDash, which has never made a profit in the entire time it's existed, survives on investment money. It's actually in Series F. So it's on its sixth round of raising money off investors and just burning through this money. This is one of the ways it burns through money. So anyway, the guy who owns the pizza shop, he goes to his friend, um, Rajon Roy, who writes this uh, blog on economics, and tells him about the problem. And the, one of the first things that Rajon comes to is, well, if DoorDash is going to sell it for um, 16 but give the $24 to, uh, to the pizza company, why don't we just buy them ourselves? Pizza arbitrage. We'll make money off the, off the difference in, in, in what they're charging and what we're charging. Eventually, the uh, pizza company starts shipping empty boxes to, you know, has his buddies ordering through DoorDash. DoorDash is paying the pizza company $8 per unit, and they're shipping free boxes, empty boxes. So how did this happen? It was a very complicated, very complicated <laughs> explanation. It is but very I, complicated. I, I think I pretty much covered it. Is, that, is yeah. that pretty much the story? Yeah, you did a good job. I really couldn't add to it because it is makes my brain hurt. <laughs> so how can this happen? Like, oh my goodness, how can DoorDash get in there? Because Google let them. Yes. Google allowed uh, uh, DoorDash to take over the um, to take over. Uh, uh, Oh my computer! Oh, you know what? I'm trying to pro- I'm trying to process all the comments so I can get to Danny, the Denny Sullivan part. And oh, I, I know. My computer so is freaking out. There's literally hundreds and hundreds of very complicated comments because two hundred and thirty-eight of them, to be no. precise, and a lot of them business owners who have been scammed by DoorDash. Yeah, and here's the here's the thing about business people and economists: they can't write short sentences. It's impo- it's, it's it's physically impossible for an economist to write a short sentence. Um, no economy with words here. Um, okay, so Google allows companies like DoorDash to insert themselves as monkey in the middle. They actually, there's actually a way that the delivery companies can change your business listing if you haven't taken control of it yourself. They can take control of your business listing for you. Google allows you, the business owner, to take it back, not a problem. But it's one of those negative option billing sort of things. You, you, the business owner, have to take responsibility for it, or it's open season and somebody can pose selling your product under your brand name for whatever price point they want. 
you might have a reason for having your prices low. <laughs> they might find a way to sell your product to somebody else for a far higher price, whatever their reason. Um, so Danny jumps in and uh, I'm trying to find his comment and there's hundreds to go through. And oh, my this, computer which one are you looking for? I've been in here. Danny's original comment. Let's my computer see. freaks out every time I try to get to it. There's so many of them. Is this the one where they where they attack him for I operate a offenders network? That yeah, one? well, oh, uh, yes, eventually, yes. Okay, so Danny pipes in, trying to be very helpful. Okay, uh, Danny Sullivan, who incidentally is thought of as the grandfather of the search engine of the SEO sector, search marketing sector. So it gets kind of uncomfortable when you. Um, yes, you can absolutely share. Um, it gets, you know, kind of weird to, to critique Danny, but Danny jumps in saying, I work on the Google search team. We understand the concern about unauthorized order links. That's why we remove any order links from Google business profiles. If a business reports, there's no authorized relationship. They can do that by following the instructions in our help page about order links. So Danny admits on Google's behalf that um, this problem can happen and that business owners can rectify it by following Google's instructions. And that's where he made a mistake. Yeah, he, he, he gets pretty bad. There's too many comments to discuss, but they do have a really good point. And I remember in the early days of just uh, Google, when it wasn't my business, what was it originally called? Uh, Google. Well, there was Google Local, Google Local Listings, Google My Business. Um, way, way, way back before we had to get like postcards sent three weeks in advance. Google Maps. They, uh, no. Anyway, whatever they called Google Business way back in the day. They had a big problem with locksmiths. And locksmiths would get their profiles hijacked so often you couldn't even add a new locksmith company to the profiles. Because they're always getting hijacked. And then now Google has all sorts of fail safes in there to prevent people from hijacking somebody's listing. So the, the, I, think, I think telling these people who are getting, not only are they getting uh, their listings hijacked, but as we mentioned earlier, the quality of their product going out gets back to them. They get the negative reviews. They didn't actually tell DoorDash. They don't have a relationship with DoorDash. They didn't have DoorDash deliver the product, but it gets their cold because they won't use the, the boxes, the thermal boxes. Um, and so then they get the negative reviews and they have to deal with that. So they're quite angry which I don't blame them. And unfortunately, Danny's answers were more like, well, if you tell us. And uh, I don't think that was probably what they wanted to hear. Well, Danny's in a weird position here because as, as he quite, as he says quite outwardly, I'm on the search team, not the comms team. I can bring my, I can bring your issues to the team, but there's not a lot I can do about it except bring your issues to the team. My job is to tell you how the system works, period. And because people are jumping all over them, um, and rightly so, by the way, um, restaurant owners want have want to to be able to exercise control over their product, just like I, as a writer, want to exercise control over my product. Um, now, here's the difference: when I when I get paid to write, I cede control to the person who pays me and to their editor because they're paying me. But when I'm putting a product out, a one-on-one, -on -one, like me direct to consumer, 
nobody edits what I put up on my Facebook profile or what I put up on my own personal blog. And if somebody tries to step in the middle and do that for me, that's a problem because I got I have my own quality my own quality uh, issues. Um, to deliver a pizza cold and to represent yourself as the business, absolutely not cool. And there's nothing that the business owner can do about it unless they're made aware that DoorDash has taken control of their listing. Yeah, because it's sort of be like, it's sort of, and this has happened before, by the way, not just DoorDash, Grubhub did it too. But it's sort of mm -hmm. be like if uh, I had a way to redirect the order to, to my phone and I place the order at my local pizza shop. And I go pick it up and then I deliver it as though I'm part of that pizza shop, but the pizza shop has no idea. Was it just a customer picking up a pizza? I think that would be called fraud. I, I think so. <laughs> Unfortunately, I think, uh, and I, I know whenever I um, have issue with something that Google's doing, I don't believe Danny's responsible for it. It's not his decision uh, how this is done, but it, it is a big issue that Google is allowing people's GMBs to be hijacked. At least they're, Numbers and apparently, and, and, and I don't know if this is true, but in one of the comments, it says that Grubhub was even given special access to claim every uh, restaurant in the United States in their GMB profile as one of the, like a delivery service. So it's that's so a as, Google, Google thing, not a Danny thing, but I yeah, can understand okay, why but now Danny works for Google and he did insert himself into the conversation. I know in my own experience, when, uh, say, my cable goes out, I got to call my cable company, and I've had a, a repeated problem with, with, with service from, from this company. Even though I know it's not the customer service rep's problem, and I jovially explained to them before laying into them that I understand it's not their fault, but they are the representative I'm speaking to, and they're the only one I get to convey this frustration to, people went to town on Danny. <laughs> um, it's rough to have that job well it is but that's the liaison's job isn't it yes it is that's very true um he does he, he for what it's worth he does yeoman's duty trying to work people's issues um but i think eventually he just sort of gave up <laughs> um, <laughs> i think he said what he was allowed to say and and hopefully it goes back and gets fixed but he couldn't probably say anything in addition to uh, what he told these people here. They obviously were not satisfied with the answer. So if anyone wants some really interesting reading about pizza arbitrage and uh, Google My Business Issues with Danny Sullivan being the main point of contact in the comments, uh, they should go to this article. Yeah, uh, you either go to Google and just type in pizza arbitrage. It will be, the trust me, it's the first <laughs> one coming up. Or uh, margin, themargins.substack.com. I've subscribed. It's a great economics blog. Um. Uh, it, it, it's uh, again interesting looks on the uh, <laughs> on the margins of the markets, um, <laughs> and probably way worth reading. Especially, and the trick about blogs like this is, um, you know, I, I watch CNN, I watch uh, CBC, I watch CNBC, I, I, I watch the whole gamut of them. I love fresh thoughts rather than pundits thinking. Um. And, uh, you know, fresh, rational, let me, let, me, let me rephrase that. I like fresh, rational thinking rather than just pundits thinking. Speaking of, um, we got a couple seconds before we got to take, <laughs> actually, we don't got a couple seconds. We need to take a break right now. Oops. <laughs> Sorry about that. 
Um, Christine, we're going to have to take a break, then we're going to have to come back with rapid fire because we have seriously, seriously gone. We've got 10 minutes until the end of the show. Um, on behalf of Christine Jackinger from Sites Without Walls, this is Jim Metro Digital Always Media. You're listening to Webcology at webmasterradio.fm. It's the 21st of May, 2020. Stick around. we got some more content coming up after these messages. Sit tight and don't move. Webcology. We'll be back after this short break. Here's the truth you need to know about podcasting. The biggest problem you face right now as a future podcaster is the myth that it takes an enormous amount of time or effort to produce a high-quality professional podcast. Luckily for you, there's a solution to your problem. If you're an online marketer who really needs to grow an audience of buyers but can't do all the heavy lifting alone, then here's the solution you're looking for. Introducing the DFY Podcasting System. Here's what you get. 30 minutes of one-on-one training. A weekly podcast for you or your company. Distribution to almost every podcast portal. An embeddable player for your website. An ebook called How to Podcast, created for WMR.FM show hosts. And much, much more. And best of all, you'll start seeing results with the DFY podcast system within a couple of weeks. You're just one podcast away from growing brand awareness and engagement in your business. Log on to podcast.wmr.fm and sign up for a deeply discounted rate today. That's podcast.wmr.fm. Start your search engine and put your servers into overdrive. It's webmasterradio.fm steering you into the winner's circle. Webmasterradio.fm. We're everywhere. Commercials off. Now back to Webcology, only on webmasterradio.fm. Here are the hosts, Jim Hedger and Dave Davies. Hey everyone, welcome back to Webcology on webmasterradio.fm. It's May the 21st, 2020, week 10 of uh, the COVID crisis. It's Jim Hedger from Digital Always Media and Christine Schackinger from Sites Without Walls uh, sitting in for Dave Davies this week. We've only got a couple of minutes because we use so much time to go with all of our other stories, but this is a weird one. In its bid to stop trolling, Twitter has um, made some changes to the way it deals with more controversial subjects like, like, like health in that it's, if I follow this correctly um, from, 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 from uh, Twitter communications, it's experimenting, allowing people to decide who can reply um, to try again to improve the quote unquote improve the quality of conversations and and um, iterate in this space. Um, Christine, what's uh, what's what's I mean seriously, what what's this all about? Uh, they they say that the experiment is to decide who can reply to anything you post mm-hmm. to quote improve the quality of the conversation. I can't think of a more horrible idea um, because then. Anybody can post any piece of garbage, propaganda, abuse, bullying, uh, not tag the person, and there's no way to reply to counter what's been posted. Is this uh, across-the-board policy, or does it just affect certain areas? or certain? No, problems? you get to select it on your tweets. So imagine Trump could just tweet all day what he wanted to tweet. And yeah. select no replies? No replies. So not being political there, but I just mean anybody. Well, so any- indeed. Well, no, no, I mean, not, I, mean I, think, I think it's funny. When you say controversy on Twitter, I think it's the first place everyone's mind goes. Yeah, true. But, the, like, the Russian bot networks we do know exist, 100%. Um, 
um, they would be able to use their networks to just continually retweet and respond to each other, anything that they wanted, and no one would be able to counter what was being said. Well, my, fir- my first thought game, there, though, might that might that slow down amplification? No, because they have a hundred thousand in some of those bot, bot networks. Okay, yeah, but if the if the bots are only tweeting to each other, no, they're not only tweeting to each other. You just can't reply. Okay. So I can um, tweet to any hashtag I want to. I just no one can reply if I haven't. To, I haven't tagged them in a tweet. So, well, I'm just trying to think of what Twitter, how Twitter is thinking this is going to work out. Uh, my guess is from a later tweet here in their timeline is that uh, it's early, but we're seeing less of abuse. They're just seeing less re- reports of issues, but that just means that people can't respond. Well, it's okay. A, yeah. So much that's this is, so almost reminds me of um, the White House's assertion that fewer tests mean um, fewer infections. Um, yes, <laughs> pretty much. Okay, I don't know. I'm, 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 I'm like, like, like that, 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 that analogy almost makes sense. I'm not misunderstanding this. No, you're not. Not from what I can tell. I mean, they haven't put out a full press release on it, but. Basically, it's, it's inspired on how people talk in the real world. Well, that's great, except it's not the real world. It's online. And that means people can um, only talk to – it shouldn't be public. You can do this in groups already. I just want to talk to you and, and Brasco. I can just make a group and we can talk. This is going to be public. So it means – let's imagine Gamergate. Those men that went after those writers in gamer, in gamer culture – and terrorize them, yeah, they yeah. wouldn't be able to respond to anything that's posted unless they were tagged. Okay, I, I don't know what to say. I did seem it seems like um, on on one side I can see how um, this will limit arguments in the Twitter sphere, but on the other, it will obviously allow misinformation to propagate unchallenged. Yes, pretty much. Yeah. I mean, right now, at least when there's, um, you know, there was, and I won't say which one, but there was an obviously bot boosted hashtag two weeks ago because they had 300,000 tweets per hour at 1 a.m. in the U.S. And uh, and people countering that is what made you know what was false. In this case, no one would be able to know what's false and the Bard Army could just continue to tweet that into infinity. So AI would be a much better solution for this issue than than this kind of thing. I, I'm sure there's there's thousands or dozens of signals um, of a fake account or a fake profile oh, or troll so accounts or what have you. Um, and I wish we could explore this further, um, but we're pretty much out of time. We've gone full clock, full hour, um, and we have a show coming up right at three o'clock. Um, another record coming up that's used in the studio. So Christine. Thank you so much for sitting in today, eh? Hey, thank you so much for having me. I love always being on the show, so it's always fun. Well, we love having you on. Um, friends, I was Christine Schackinger from Sites Without Walls, um, graciously sitting in for Dave, who was having a who's having a staycation week. Um, on behalf of Christine, this is Jim Hedger from Digital Always Media. You've been listening to Webcology on webmasterradio.fm, part of the WM, WMR podcast network stick around there's more great content coming up on webmaster radio be safe be smart 
take precautions, stay a few, stay a few meters away from the person next to you, wash your hands, don't touch your face, wear a bloody mask, and most of all, be kind to each other. We'll talk to you next week. Opinions expressed on this program are those of the guests and hosts and do not necessarily reflect those of WebmasterRadio.fm's management or sponsors. Any rebroadcast or redistribution without authorized consent of WebmasterRadio.fm is prohibited.